the holiday and with uh, with Lee uh, speaking to us last week. Uh, it was good, uh, but it's good to be kind of back in the groove in the new year. We are back in our study, Victory in Exodus. As we continue through that uh, progression, we, we are doing so with always looking at the victory within the passage, right? Always looking at how God is at work and how he is getting the victory. So I want to just remind you, I will sing unto the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. It's a theme, uh, if you will, through the book of Exodus, certainly around the concept of the Exodus. It is a theme that the Lord triumphs gloriously. So we are going to be in Exodus chapter 10, um, really the first 11, ch- 11 verses or so. But we're gonna, like, I called this, I had, I had four working titles over the last week and a half as I was preparing this message because, and I'm still not thrilled with this one, but it is what it is. Victory and sticking together. And um, so we'll just, we'll just dig in. The, the title isn't as, bi- as important as, as the concept. So um, Exodus chapter 10, we're going to start in verse 3 for the purposes. It's on your sheet. It's obviously on the screen. It's also in scripture. Um, and Moses and Aaron came unto Pharaoh and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord God of the Hebrews, How long wilt thou refuse to humble thyself before me? Let my people go, that they may serve me. Else, if thou refuse to let my people go, behold, tomorrow I will bring the locusts into thy coast, and they shall cover the face of the earth, that one cannot be able to see the earth. Meaning, they're covering it, right? You can't only be able to see the ground underneath them. And they shall eat the residue of that which is escaped, which remaineth unto you from the hail, the previous plague, and shall eat every tree which groweth for you out of the field. And they shall fill the houses, and the houses of all thy servants, and the houses of all the Egyptians, which neither thy fathers nor thy father's fathers have seen since the day that they were upon the earth unto this day. And he turned himself and went out from Pharaoh. It's kind of interesting. He just kind of, mic drop. Uh, And Pharaoh's servants said unto him, How long shall this man be a snare unto us? Let the men go, that they may serve the Lord their God. Knowest thou... Not yet that Egypt is destroyed? Have you not heard the reports? Have you not understood? So on the screen, I've, I've kind of just kind of ran with this, this uh, little uh, graphic. We've been wor- working our way through, and instead of just looking at each of the, uh, of the uh, plagues within the context, I've heard it said that each of the plagues have addressed one of the Egyptian gods, that God is uh, addressing you know, who, who really is almighty. Uh, I don't, don't disagree with that. I'm not sure that's the biggest point to make, just kind of my humble opinion. Um, but we see that there's at the beginning, there's not necessarily the protection for Israel that, that happens later. And initially the magicians can replicate and then they get to a point where they can't replicate it. And then the Egyptian magicians couldn't even stand before Moses. So we see a progression. I should do it this way. We see a progression as we work through that the Lord is showing himself stronger and stronger and giving Pharaoh the opportunity to repent and including the opportunity to, to repent of his own personal sin. And um, so we're now to this point where we've just finished the hail, the, 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 the threat, if you will, the warning is probably a better term, of the locusts coming if Pharaoh doesn't listen is on his doorstep. So I think it's interesting that they that basically Moses and Aaron uh, leave. And in verse 7, as I read, 
When Pharaoh's servants said unto him, How long shall this man be a snare unto us? Let the men go. Now, it's interesting. There's some specific wording in play here. Let the men go. And if, if you don't get this in, or you got it, okay, this is also on our website. But yeah, so all good. So lost men often choose their own devices despite their warnings. I don't know if you caught the subtlety, but when the men of Egypt, they didn't say let the people go, they said let the men go. And we're going to kind of tee off on that today. But, and I'm not just pulling out this, like pulling at this tiny string and trying to make an, an argument out of this. We're actually going to see this as a pattern in this passage. There's really a, a play, you know, spoiler alert, there's a play by Pharaoh and his leadership to let the men and even the children leave but just to go into the wilderness to sacrifice, but we're going to keep the ladies behind so that they come back, okay? All right, so I don't want to posture it as ransom, right? But it is kind of collateral. <laughs> like, if the ladies don't go, the men will come back. And I don't mean that in any kind of... I, I don't even know some of the quotes that Sam said this morning, so I just... I, okay, Sam. All right. So lost men, left to their own devices, will often choose their own devices, uh, despite warning. Notice in Proverbs chapter one, for they, hate, uh, for that they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would none of my counsel; they wouldn't hear to it. They despised all my reproof. Therefore shall they eat of the fruit of their own way and be filled with their own devices. For the turning away of the simple shall slay them and the prosperity of fools shall destroy them. But whoso hearkeneth unto me shall dwell safely and shall be quiet from the fear of evil. Like the Lord lays this out very clearly in Proverbs chapter one that people will often choose their own way despite the warnings that God repeatedly puts in their life. Like, even when God deals with the Apostle Paul, when he's Saul, before he gets saved, it's like, how you know, it's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. I've been putting all these things in your life. I've been telling you, I've been shutting doors. I've been doing all this, and yet you continue to go your own way, Saul. We do that. Lost men do that. Lost people assume that that God is being mean to them, that God is being uh, overly judgmental, when in reality he's putting guardrails in their life pointing to Christ, pointing to redemption. If you continue on and look at Jeremiah chapter 18, again, similar kind of context. Now therefore, go to, speak to the men of Judah and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, saying, so there's a, there's a challenge to, to Jeremiah, by the Lord, thus saith the Lord, behold, I frame evil against you and devise a device against you. Return ye now everyone from his evil way. God's not the author of evil. He's just saying, if you continue down your path, guess what? You're going to have evil. Like, like <laughs> in, a, in a great moment of parenting, it's like, you want something to cry about? I'll give you something to cry about. Like, you know, and, and God's obviously a, a perfect parent when I'm certainly not. Uh, Michelle, you don't need to amen. Um, so, 
but but the key is God will allow. I heard a heard a wonderful. I don't know if anybody listened to the uh, postscript. Uh, I th- did you guys talk about my bad trip? Did it, did that come up? Did that? So so I flew down or I drove down with Marshall to move him to Tampa, uh, and I had a ticket on Southwest to fly back on Wednesday. Didn't happen. Drove back 17 and a half hours by myself. Had an opportunity to listen to catch up on some postscripts. Um, <laughs> So Leighton Flowers, um, he has a lot of initials behind his name. He was a Calvinist, and he talks about his journey into and out of Calvinism. And really humble man, really, uh, you know, was respectful, didn't didn't bash, because he considers a lot of Calvinists still his dear friends um, and and laborers for the Lord. Um, But he said... If a police officer is on the side of the road behind a, a sign taking, taking radar, is he allowing people to speed? No. They're speeding of their own devices. He's going to potentially hold them accountable to that, right? If it, just because he's not standing on the side of the road saying, I'm an officer, don't speed, he doesn't have to do that. There's a posted speed limit. I've had the unfortunate, not surprising, but the unfortunate opportunity to get a speeding ticket. And if you've ever looked at the speeding ticket, it says exceeding the posted speed. The sign is sufficient. You got a ticket this trip? No, no, no. Praise the Lord. No, I did not get a ticket this trip. No, no. Different, different stories. But, and I didn't, even, I didn't take a nap once on the way back. Um, that was good. Uh, so... But the posted speed limit is sufficient warning. The speed limit has been posted, okay? Now, not just do's and don'ts, but the Lord has given his warning. He certainly has repeatedly given it to Pharaoh. He's given it to the uh, inhabitants of Jerusalem. He says, behold, I frame evil against you and devise, um, and devise a device against you. He's basically saying, I'm going to allow you to go there if that's where you want to go. Okay, returning now everyone from his evil way, you can avoid it, and make your ways and your, go- your doings good. And they said, there is no hope, but we will walk after our own devices, and we will everyone do the imagination of his evil heart. Wow, that's quite a ways to respond to God. <laughs> but I unfortunately have, have encountered people like that. I've unfortunately encountered people this week who feel like the devices of their own ways their own heart is going to direct their path and it's so sad because i know there's evil coming but they just won't see it they just won't see it for themselves so that brings us to our first victory principle play your role in this jeremiah had to play the role the author of proverbs right solomon had to play his role but Pharaoh and Moses, or Pharaoh, uh, Moses and Aaron had to play their role before Pharaoh. Play your role in proclaiming the truth, and then let the Holy Spirit do the rest of the work. Okay? It is not your job to be the spiritual police. When I was ordained, I did not get a badge. I don't get to pull out a spiritual badge and be like, Stop doing this, stop doing that, or start doing this, start doing that. That's not how it works, right? Shepherds, pastors, direct sheep where there's grass, 
direct sheep where there's protection. That's all we do. The work of the Holy Spirit is so much better than I can do, than we can do to our spouse, than we can do to our brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, that doesn't mean we take a passive role. You play your role. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will use you to proclaim truth. Okay? Hey, you probably ought not to be doing that. But at the end of the day, it's between them and God. I can only do so much. So as, our, as we've been doing this and is our pattern, we do the situation that, that we see here, the struggle, and then the victory. So the situation is Moses and Aaron have gone in before Pharaoh and said, hey, this plague is going to come if you don't repent. The response by the leaders of, uh, under Pharaoh are, let the men go. Okay? So the struggle becomes, notice in verse 8, in verse 10, And Moses and Aaron were brought, in, uh, or were brought again unto Pharaoh, and he said unto them, Pharaoh said unto them, Go serve the Lord your God. But who are they that, um, who are they that shall go? And jump down to verse 10. And he said unto them, Let the Lord be so with you, as I will let you go and your little ones. Look to it, but evil is before you. Okay? So the implication is that the women are going to stay behind, potentially to continue working, potentially for the concept of collateral or, or kind of a guarantee that the men will come back. Okay? So that's like... There's a pretty strong implication. Now, this quick victory principle number two, a victory where only some of the body wins is not a victory. Okay? It's not a victory. If I say only the folks on this side of the room can be blessed with a blessing, eh. There, at the very least, it's going to, and, and I, I thought about lots of ways to do this. I thought about giving away money to only certain people. But I couldn't afford to do a whole lot, so that was going to be like a quarter. But then it wouldn't like really meet the point. Then I thought food, candy. And then I thought, well, not everybody eats candy, so I should probably keep it. <laughs> so that was, the, that was the logic, and it's pretty wise, right? So, so you're just going to have to go with me conceptually and imagine that if I only bless these folks with some blessing, I only say, yeah, these are the folks that I'm going to invest in. These are the folks I'm really uh, going to preach to. Uh, when, when, the, when the rest of the time, you know, before service, after service, like you guys are just, you're on your own. I'm just going to do my best to minister to these folks. Well, that, that, that's not a win. That's not a victory. Not for the body. They may see it as that, but often if you've ever been in a situation like that where someone is treating you better than someone like, quote, next, like, like next to you, whether they're physically next to you or just conceptually, you feel odd. I don't know about you. I feel odd. Like, why is this person treating me better than this person, right? And it's only happened like twice in my life. So people don't treat me good. But anyway, <laughs> a victory where only some of the body wins is not really a victory, it's tainted. It's tainted. So Exodus without part of the body was clearly not an option, right? Because the guys and the little ones could leave. So the men of, of, of Egypt, the leaders of Egypt were like, Pharaoh, let the men leave. So then Mo, or Pharaoh tries to sweeten the pot a little bit and says, well, you can take your little ones too. Just go out in the wilderness for a couple of days, worship, sacrifice to your God, and then return. 
But that's not what God's promise to Moses was. God's promise to Moses was an exodus, right? And so exodus without part of the body, notice, uh, again, was not an option. Notice in, in Exodus 10.23, and they saw not one another, neither um, rose any from his place for three days, but all of the children had, of Israel had light in their dwellings. This is the, the, one of the coming plagues, right? The next plague is there's going to be darkness, but all of the children of Israel had light. Not just some of them. It says all. Even if you jump forward to the, the, um, the uh, uh, Passover, and ye shall keep it under the 14th day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. Like, a victory for 95% of us is not sufficient. Certainly a victory for two-thirds of us, the men and the kids, is not a victory if the women are not included. Notice in 1 Corinthians 12, the passage that talks about the body, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. We rejoice in a graduation. We rejoice in a wedding. We rejoice in a, man, a young man that I've never met getting saved. A young lady that... A young lady that I've never met that I know of getting saved. The body can rejoice over that. Like we can all rejoice. But notice, if one member suffers, all members suffer with it. And every pastor that I've ever been under always uses the implication or uses a story that if we're one body and you stub your pinky toe, the whole body knows it. You're not going to get a whole lot done for a few minutes. And hopefully it's not so bad that you have to wear a boot and stuff because then, you know, it has a residual effect. Yeah, yeah, that's actually what I was thinking of because you were the one, right? You were on your bed. Bed frame? No, door. Kicked your bed frame. It's the worst. It's like literally the second worst thing that could happen to you is stub your toe really, really bad. I mean, you all have done it and it hurts. Could you imagine doing it and like dislocating? Like, it's, it's a bad thing. The whole body, like, I don't care what you were doing in the next 20 minutes, you're not doing that anymore. <laughs> you could literally be on your way to the bathroom to, to throw up because of something you ate. You stub your toe bad enough, you're not making it to the bathroom. You're not going to throw up anymore. I'm not saying that's a solution to throwing up. My point is... My point is, if one member suffers, the whole body feels it, or they should feel it. If one member is blessed, all members should be blessed. So I'm just going to be very transparent with you for a moment, as, as if all the other stuff I've said has been veiled, but very transparent. There was a season in life when somebody would tell me that they were blessed with something, and I wasn't necessarily jealous but I wondered why God didn't bless me that same way. It wasn't always financial. So, you know, way back in my life, it was relational, right? Like, why, why did they get such an awesome girlfriend and my girlfriend, not Michelle, was not, like, cool? Or I didn't have one. Or why did they get the cool job or the cool corner office? Whatever it is, right? Humble beginnings. And humble beginnings. You, if, if I, and I think I've said this from this spot before, if I were to tell you that I won the lottery, and I mean big time, $256 million, 
First of all, you aren't, re you aren't related, you're not getting anything. <laughs> would you be happy for me? Or would your first response be a jealousy, a why didn't I do that? See, that's the difference between the unified body, a mature, growing body, and an immature. I'm not calling you, you should, I've been there. Like, I've, I've been there, done that, have the t-shirt. We need to rejoice if God does something great in our, in, in our body, and I don't just mean these four walls, in our body, in the church at large. If God blesses, let's rejoice in that. If you hear that another church is starting a church, right, so, so, so real talk, abundant life out in Lee Summit, starting a church in Midtown area. Amen. Last time I checked, plenty of souls going to hell. We are not in competition with this, this, this like-minded ministry. It's not like all of a sudden, oh, they're going to be cooler, which is, I don't know, maybe they will be, but I don't know. They'll be cooler than me, that's for darn sure. And like we're going to be worried about losing ground. No. They, if they're going to see folks saved and, and grow in Christ, praise the Lord. Paul was even willing to say that when it wasn't even that like-minded. When people were preaching Christ of, of personal gain or to, to thwart his ministry, he was like, well, at least Christ has preached. We need to be more mature. And certainly, Moses, has. Get, there's no indication that Moses goes back to God and says, well, should the guys and the kids go and leave the women? Like, it sounds kind of silly when you look at it, when you think about it, right? So, there should be no schism in the body, but all members, all members should have the same care for one another and all should, be, uh, all should rejoice. Okay, so leaving room for partial obedience is leaving room for to total disobedience. So Moses is, was, was tasked with Israel leaving, not a portion of Israel. In 1 Corinthians 5, and, and 1 Corinthians, if you're ever having relational challenges, I would at least consider reading 1 Corinthians. Because 1 Corinthians defines very well, certainly relational issues in the body. Uh, 1 Corinthians is really good. 1 Corinthians 5, you're glorying, in verse 6, your glorying is not good. Know ye not that a little leaveneth, leaveneth the whole, a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump? Now, we like that within the context of doctrine. You know, you give a little ground doctrinally, you know, or you let a little sin in your life, you know. But we don't like it necessarily within the context of unity. Like, it bothers me, and it, I believe it should bother you, if two members of this body are not getting along. Like, it, it should bother you. It, it should not sit well. You should be burdened by that. You should pray for that. You don't have to interject yourself unless the Lord's given you clear reason to be. That's not the point. But it should bother all of us. If there's two people in this body that you know are having issues, that should drive us to our knees. Even in Galatians 5, 9, a little leaven, leaven at the whole lump. So don't leave any room for partial obedience because you're leaving room for total disobedience. And continuing on in this last point, inequality or inequity by definition creates division. So, back to my example. If I blessed this side of the room with a $5 bill per person, and you can see why I didn't do it, 
But if I start blessing certain people, if I start uh, looking on uh, being a respecter of persons, as Scripture says, I'm going to create division. I'm literally giving room for Satan to come in and wiggle in and create a division. Like, I need to be equal and equitable. Look at 1 Corinthians 1.10. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, again, 1 Corinthians, that ye speak all, or all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. That's a hard, that's a high bar. Be perfectly joined together in the same mind and the same judgment. The only way for me and anybody else in this room, anybody else at MBT, anybody else in the church at large, to be of the same mind is to have the mind of Christ. It's the only way. It's the only way. It's not a political agenda. It's not a social agenda. It's not a personal agenda. I have to have the mind of Christ. It's the only way. In 1 Corinthians 3, 3, For are ye yet carnal? For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? Well, where does that stuff come from? It comes from envy, strife, and, car uh, and divisions. Or, uh, you're carnal. You're thinking about yours and not others. 1 Corinthians 11, 18. First of all, when you come together in the church, I hear that there will be divisions among you. And I partly, do it. I partly believe it. I saw on Facebook, maybe some of you all have seen it on, on social media. You know, if Paul was alive, the church in America would be getting a letter. <laughs> Uh, it's interesting how one guy's heart stopping on national TV can cause the NFL all of a sudden to care about prayer, first of all, which is interesting. S uh, second, that it can, quote, unify such a divided people. Last time I checked, one guy's heart stopping did unify people. So I, I was searching for a way to, to, to communicate this better, and I, I, I saw that what I'm, this graphic that I'm getting ready to show you at work. It was, a, it was a work thing. And look, at the end of the day, it's a graphic. It's a cartoon, technically, to communicate a very complicated concept. It is woefully insufficient. Okay? It actually gets a lot of... Uh, uh, a lot of kind of negative press because of some of the potential undertones of it. But hear me out. We need to talk about inequality and inequity for just a moment. This, maybe you've seen this, but often there's a third panel that talks about inequality or inequity and all three people are standing on the same box. And the third person is short and cannot see over the fence. Okay? But uh, equality is providing all three with a box. In this case, the guy in the wheelchair doesn't need a box. That doesn't help him. Okay? That is, by definition, equality. I'm treating all of them the same. The tall guy on the left technically doesn't even need a box. He's tall enough to see over the fence without the box. Equity is providing people what they need to be the equivalent result. Okay? So the little girl is barely able to see. She gets two boxes. Now she can both see, but then they build a ramp for the person in the wheelchair. Okay? Now again, there's a lot, I mean, like, there's probably more bashing this cartoon out there on the internet than there is supporting this because it's like, why are they 
looking over a fence they're not supposed to be looking over they're not paying to get in like there's all sorts of people like oh yeah yeah trust me they're like it's bringing out an issue of height rather than skin color or demographic like so so please i i, I just ask we can set all that si aside for just a second but if it bothers you that someone took the time resources materials to build a ramp so this person could see please check yourself because this person in this context in this simple cartoon has the same right to see over the fence if you will the obstacle that's standing before them assuming it's legal and ethical to look over the fence and not pay admission to go to the game <laughs> it's okay we spend resources, a disproportionate amount of resources in this church on our, on, our, on our kids. A disproportionate amount of space, a disproportionate amount of ministers, disproportionate amount of supplies. But I'm kind of good with it. I think our kids need to learn. And that's okay. Like, we don't think about, that's not a negative. We're investing. We need to look at this as an investment. Moses not acquiescing to Pharaoh's lesser offer is a form of equity, okay? It's, it's technically a form of equality as well, but it's a form of equity. He wants the result, Moses wants the result to be all of us get to worship the same. All of us get to worship the same. And I, I, I have had this, this encounter twice once here, once in another church, where someone that was deaf came into the church, and they actually asked if we had a, 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 a sign language interpreter for, for service. And it, and it got me to my very core that I had to say no. Are those people, are those souls any less? Do they not need to hear the word of God? They do. It's just, a, it's just illustrative. It's just illustrative. So the victory, so that's the struggle. The victory, look at what Moses says in verse 9. And Moses said, we will go with our young and our old, with our sons and with our daughters. And you say, well, that's all the kids. No, that's everybody. That's everybody. With our flocks and with our herds, we will go, for we must hold a feast unto the Lord. And who's going to make the feast except unless the women go? <laughs> it was a joke. I've seen if you're paying attention. I was just seeing if you, I was just checking to see who was asleep and who was awake. His confidence is in the Lord. Look, and, and uh, in the promise in Exodus 3, but every woman shall borrow of her neighbor and of her that sojourneth in her house jewels of silver and of gold and raiment, and ye shall put them upon your sons and upon your daughters, and ye shall spoil the Egyptians. The women were supposed to take part in the Exodus, right? Moses knew that and had confidence in the word from the Lord. So much like I've done in times past, we need to have a quick ministry practicum for just a moment. A, blue, uh, a dark blue slide to talk about protecting unity in this church. Now you, you may hear protecting the concept that we protect unity more than any of the other nine ministry principles in this church. Probably because it's the hardest thing to do. And it's the thing that we're constantly having to deal with. We pull it out of a, a few scriptures, but most specifically Ephesians chapter 4, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. The unity from the brethren. Now, what's important is unity already exists in Christ. 
That's why we must protect it. So this is different than trying to get unity. You will hear people talk about, well, we need to unify the church. No, 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 we don't need to unify the church. By definition, we are already unified in Christ. Anybody that feels like they need to unify the church may need to check whether they're in the church or not because we already have that unity in Christ. It's already defined in several places in Scripture. And unity is always under attack. That's why we talk about it so much. Interpersonal. There are so many times where I feel like I have to keep my accounts, I call it keeping my account short. I have to apologize for things. I had somebody come up and, and apologize. I texted somebody and asked them to do something. In, during service, sorry, I have to do that sometimes as overseeing service coordination, those types of things. I asked them if they could, it was during mission focus, hey, can you do this for me? And they were like, no, I can't. Cool. I moved on a different direction. Didn't even give it a second thought. Literally, didn't even give a second thought. They came up to me, I don't know, hours later, four hours later, maybe it was morning and evening, I don't remember, and they were like, hey, I just want to make sure we're good. I was like, yeah, why are we not good? Why would we not be good? Well, I was pretty quick with my response to you. I just, that I couldn't, couldn't help. I'm like, I'm like, bro, what, you, you didn't need to, but I, I love your heart. Like, I would rather have this conversation and protect unity, make sure that we're good, just because he felt like his text was a little terse. Like, like if, if you text me, I, th this week, I, this week was in the category of suckage for me. I'm just saying. <laughs> just saying. It was in the, there's categories of blessings and categories of, of not blessing, except yesterday. Yesterday was, was wonderful to be a part of a wedding. Up until Friday, it was in the category of suckage. So, like, don't be mad at me if I haven't responded to you quickly. I, I think there's probably some of you in this room that I owed a response to faster than, like, I got, I got so many texts on Tuesday night from people that want to go to Toronto, people that are feeling led, then, and they were told to talk to their pastor. I didn't even know what was going on. I'm just getting texts, boom, 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 boom. And I'm like, what was said on Tuesday night? <laughs> but I love the heart of a person who simply just couldn't, in the middle of worship, stop what they were doing and help me, which was okay. Like, I didn't think anything of it, but they wanted to make sure we were good. Make sure we're good. Make sure we're good. That's, that's protecting unity. And you, unity requires us to small ourselves. It causes, we have to be humble. Like, if I've hurt you, I am genuinely sorry. I actually kind of want to know how I hurt you so I can avoid it next time. I don't want to hurt you. That's, like, that's not my goal. But you know what? I'm probably bound to do it. I've been married to Michelle for 20 <laughs> years, 27, right? Is that where after the 27? Okay, 27 years. I've hurt her like three times. <laughs> right? Three times in 20, like once a decade. <laughs> I just do because I'm not always in the spirit. I'm not always thinking about her. Like, it's like so many times I just think about myself or I'm in my zone. I'm doing my thing, which in some cases is, is a good thing to do. But I've hurt her. And we have to, in a marriage, work through that. Like, it's a little easier, you know, to work, to respond. 
But if if I've hurt you, I I'm sorry. Let's work through it. If you've hurt someone else, if you're hurt, if you've been hurt by someone else, like work through it. When when I was being before being ordained, Sam put a put a ca- cast out there that said, "Hey, if you've got something wrong, if there's an issue with Mitch, go to Mitch and deal with it." And then if you can't get it resolved, come to me. We'll work through it. Praise the Lord, nobody came to me. But I was actually praying that if somebody had something against me, that they would, in fact, come. I went, like, two years with a very significant person in my life not responding to my texts, and I don't mean just delayed. I mean, like, not acknowledging my existence, considering our relationship divided and it hurt it hurt like I don't want we have to protect unity it's the unity Christ paid for so as I've already mentioned unity is not the goal but it's an indication of spiritual well-being okay it's not the goal because the goal's already been been paid for it's already the unity already exists that's not what we're working toward we work to protect it, right? 1 Corinthians 5.22. Again, lots of references in 1 Corinthians uh, 15.22. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Not just, you know, we'll see it in just, uh, you know, not just the Jew or the Greek, or not just the Jew or the Greek, but everybody. In Galatians 3.26, For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 4.13, Until we all come into the unity of the faith and the measure of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's what we're working for. It continues, Colossians 1.4, Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which ye have to all the saints. He's, he's you know, it's a, it's a greeting, but the love ye have to all the saints. Like, Hey, Colossians, you don't hold back. You love everybody. 128, whom we preach, warning every man, teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. My goal is not to just see some of you get it. I'm not exactly sure that I'm I'm totally down with the way Sam described um, the the judgment seat of Christ a few weeks ago. I don't know if you were here for that, but he's kind of like, I'll stand, he said, I will stand beside you and I will give an account as you give an account. And then if you didn't listen, I'll be like, Lord, I told them, like, here's, here's a list of my sermons. I don't know if you're here. Here's a list of the sermons. Here's the times I told them. They didn't listen. I tried. Like, and I know he was being, you know, coy and silly and, and that sort of thing. But I'm not exactly sure that I'll be standing next to you at the judgment seat of Christ quite other than just the fact that we'll all be standing together at the judgment seat of Christ, uh, if not on a knee. Um, but it is my goal to see every one of you mature in your relationship. And even just as I scan the room and I look and I think about where you are individually and what the next step is for you, I want it for you. I want it for me. I have a next step too. I want it. I want it for all of us. Because I want all of us to come to that measure of Christ. I want, I want all the saints to grow. I want to warn every man. And, and Colossians 3.11, I think, caps it. I, I referred to it just a moment ago. 
Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Like that is, that's going to be a form of utopia. And, and we, the reality is we won't see it until we get to heaven. Right? We won't see it until we're there, until all people who are in Christ are in fact e- uh, viewed as equal, equal maturity. We will have the mind of Christ. It's going to be great. So victory principle number three as we wrap up. Protecting unity is worth it. It's worth it. So, Exodus 10. He says, Thorough in this interaction says, Not so, go ye that are men and serve the Lord. For that ye did desire, you men ask to go, you desired to go. So this is the negotiation that's happening back and forth. And Pharaoh is saying, go ahead, men, you can go. But, and then there's, some, there's something that happens here. because And then they were driven out from Pharaoh's presence. Pharaoh offers the men to go. He's like, go. Men, go. And then they were driven out from Pharaoh's presence. I don't exactly know what it was. I don't know if, if Moses stuck out a bony finger and said, we're all going or none of us are going. I don't know. I don't know if he just stood there. I don't know what happened. But Pharaoh wasn't going to have it and he drove them out of their presence. Moses was not willing to, to, to give any ground on this. So it brings us to our fourth and final victory principle. Be willing to hold out until the entire body is blessed. Be willing to hold out. And I don't mean hold out from the Lord. I mean hold out from the world. Like, I don't want what the world has to offer if it's going to offer me something that it's not going to offer you. Which, it, you know, I hope you're tracking me. I don't, I don't want... I, don't, I, I am going to hold out to the only one that can bless all of us, and that's the Lord. So I don't know. I, I, I dabbled it. So, so is it Easter egg? Is that what they put in video games? And, and Do they put them in movies too? Or is that, is that a, do I have that right? So I, I dropped an Easter egg at the beginning of this service, and I don't think any of you caught it. Because the beauty, when I showed the very first slide, the very bottom, for I will sing unto the Lord, for he triumphed gloriously. Look at this. In Exodus 15, and Miriam, one of the women, the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a timbrel in her hand, and all the women went out after her with timbrels and with dances. And Miriam answered, say, and answered them, saying, Sing ye to the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. There's a, literally a point at which the women lead the praise about what God did. In part, because Moses wasn't to get willing to give any ground. Like, he's like, no, if the women ain't going, we ain't going. And the the locusts are coming. It's like the scene from from, uh, uh, Tombstone. Help me with the line. I'm coming and hell's coming with me or something like that. The storm's coming. I don't know. The storm's coming is from like Night at the Museum with the monkey. That's that's a different (laughs) thing. But it's that kind of thing, right? Well, I think that's what, I, I, if I had to put my money, I think that's what, Pharaoh, or what Moses said to Pharaoh. If we ain't going, if, if it, not everybody's going, we ain't going. And the locusts are coming. The locusts are coming. It's like, get out. It's like, okay, we'll do this again. <laughs> 
We'll be over in Goshen, you know, eating celery. <laughs> and asparagus and other plants that aren't going to get consumed by the locusts and Pharaoh's man. Stand for each other. Fight for each other. It's more than just making sure we're good. It's making sure that we all have the opportunity to grow in the Lord. Let's pray.